You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. So, verse 32 is... I've, I've preached sermons, I think, even here out of this verse before, and it's a rich, deep verse. There's a lot here that is vital to the Christian life. And we're going to focus specifically tonight on forgiveness and how to forgive. It's a hard thing. It can be a difficult thing. But as we read here just a little bit ago, it talks about what the new life is supposed to entail. As Christians, when we become saved, when the Holy Spirit indwells us, we are forgiven of our sins, God gives us kind of an outline. These are things that you shouldn't do anymore, and you should be different. These are things that are supposed to be different about you as a Christian. You're supposed to be kind, you're supposed to love one another, you're supposed to forgive one another. We're going to focus on that forgiving aspect of it. And forgiveness, just to start, forgiveness isn't taking something, right? When you're, when you're offended, when someone does something to you, they offend you, they hurt you, they sin against you, um, they treat you poorly, you, we've all experienced those moments in our life. There's no way as a human being, once you get past, you know, like five or six, even probably at that age, because you have, if you have siblings anyways, you're going to be offended. You're going to be sinned against. Somebody is going to do something to you that is going to wrong you. And what do you do, with the, what do you do with that? What do you do with those emotions? What do you do with those feelings? What do you do with what God tells us we as Christians, the new man, are supposed to do with those things? And we have a few options. A lot of times, forgiveness um, is not one of the options we jump at right away. It's not our first choice. We could hold on to it. We can push it down, pretend it doesn't exist, put it away. We can lash back out at it. We can try to make things right on our own. We as Christians have a lot of options when it comes to what to do with offenses and sins towards us. So obviously, we all would know as Christians, we probably, forgiveness is probably where we should go. I mean, naturally, as a human being, that may not be our first option, but we as Christians that know anything about the Bible know God expects us to forgive. Now, a lot of times, forgiveness, we feel like if we forgive someone, that's allowing the sin, or forgiving them means that you're okay with how they treated you. That's not necessarily what forgiveness is. It's not giving in. It's not giving up. What forgiveness truly does is it takes the offense to you and hands it over to God, and allows God to be the judge, and releasing your right to pass judgment on what someone has done to you. That's what forgiveness is. Now, there's a few examples that I was going to go to here and have you turn, but just to kind of for time's sake, uh, Joseph from the Old Testament back in Genesis chapter 50, Joseph was sorely mistreated by his family. His siblings sold him to traveling slavers. He went into a different country, ended up in jail because he was falsely accused. Joseph was treated badly by humans. People really mistreated Joseph. And again, can you imagine if your siblings or your family, the ones that are supposed to be closest to you, betrayed you to get rid of you? How would you feel about that? And then God blessed him because he did what was right, and it ended up him coming to a place of power where he could if he'd wanted to take vengeance and made things right in his own eyes to his brothers. And in Genesis 50, 19, when they came to him and said, oh, please have mercy on us. We were real bad brothers to you. Uh, Please don't throw us in jail forever. 
being the second in the entire nation of Egypt. And Joseph said to them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? He knew it was not his job to judge them. His job was to forgive them. It wasn't Joseph's place to make it right. If we go to Romans 12, a very famous verse, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Persecuted Christians in Roman in the Roman times were poorly mistreated. They were martyred. They were killed. They had to meet in hiding. And God tells them, don't worry about you being the one to judge or to take vengeance. That's, that's something I will take care of. We're supposed to forgive. A forgiving Christian remembers that we are forgiven. Like it says here in verse number 32, forgiving one another even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. God didn't forgive you because you deserved it. We didn't get saved because we deserved salvation, because we're good people. Now, I don't know anybody in here that I wouldn't say is, is not a good person. Every single one of you in here be like, you're good people. But we're not good people. None of us are. We're rotten sinners. We deserve hell. We don't deserve salvation. We don't deserve heaven. But because Christ's sake, as it says right there, God forgave us for Christ's sake, for what Christ did for us, we don't deserve that forgiveness. We don't deserve heaven, but because of what Christ did for us, we are forgiven. So, three steps of forgiveness. If you would, take your Bibles, turn back to Luke. Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, verse number 3. The Bible says, Take heed to yourselves, if thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And this verse, verse 5, I, I identify with verse 5. Do you ever read the Bible like real people are talking? Or is it just a monotone voice? Do you ever try to read it in your head like it's a fictional book that you're reading, right? That there's characters. Because these are real people. These are real conversations. So after Jesus, after they're told, you know, if they forgive you, if he does something to you seven times in one day, but comes back and says, hey, I'm real sorry about that. Seven times, you're supposed to forgive him. And the apostles turn around and say, said, <laughs> the apostles said, the Lord, increase our faith. Like, man, that's hard. I don't know if I can do that. So if you just help me increase my faith to be able to forgive someone seven times in one day, that's a tough thing. So the very first step here to forgive, we want to be able to forgive. It's, it's a tough thing to do, and we're going to talk about that here in a second. The first step here that I see is that we're supposed to rebuke them, and rebuke them just means going to them, right? The first step in, in getting to forgiveness when you're trespassed against, when something, somebody does something to you that hurts your feelings, that's just downright mean, I mean, usually it's a little harsher than, you know, mama jokes or you know, you, your shoes are ugly or, you know, something like substantial hurts to your life. And we've, again, we've all experienced that in our life. The first responsibility we have, according to the Bible here, is to go to them. Is to go to the one that offended you. Go to the one that hurts you. Well, that seems obvious, right? That seems pretty plain and simple in how we're supposed to do that. But that doesn't always happen, does it? Most of, a lot of times we don't, depending on our personalities depending on our past, depending on the current health of the relationship of that particular engagement right there, um, we could a lot of times take the offense that is given to us and put it away. We can push it way down. 
We aren't, we aren't going to address it. We're not going to go to the person that hurt us. We're going to push it away, and either we're going to pretend like everything's fine, just act as if it's normal, but we're going to push it away so far that what's going to start to happen? Well, bitterness is going to start to develop. We're going to be bitter against the person that did something to us, but we'll never go to them and, and let them know. We're just going to push it down, hold on to it, kind of nurture it, but keep it here, and just let it kind of fester. And bitterness, I've heard said, bitterness is the only poison that a person drinks hoping they'll hurt somebody else. Bitterness never gets back at anyone. Bitterness only gets at you. Bitterness is the poison that eats away in your heart, eats away inside of you. But that's what we'll do a lot of times with hurts is we'll push it down and we'll put it away and we'll hold on to it and we'll just keep it there, a little ball of hurt and stress and anger and vengeance and we hang on to it because we don't want to deal with it. We don't want to address somebody. We don't want to go to them. Or we'll go to somebody else and we'll tell them what they did. We're all, we've all done it. We've all gone to, did you, you know what so-and-so did to me? They did this to me. They did what? How, who do they think they are? They can't get away and do that to you, to you all. I, and you'll sit there and we'll have a conversation about that person over there and what they did to you. Instead of trying to make it right, like the Bible tells us here, to go to them. Don't talk about it, talk to them. Go to them. Don't talk about it with somebody else, but go to them. So that's the first step. Um, so who, who's supposed to go to who first? I'm, bear with me, I'm sorry. I'm trying to get through this a little bit quicker, so I'm kind of skipping around. When it comes to offenses and someone being offended or someone hurts you, who should go to who first? Should the person that is offended, as we just talked about, go to the person that did the wrong? Or is the person that did the wrong supposed to go to the one they wronged? And if we read the Bible, we find, really, God says both. When it comes to Christians, there's not, you do it, I don't have to. God expects the one that's offended to go to the one that offended them. God expects the one that offended to go to the one they offended. In Matthew 5, 23 and 24, it talks about making sure if you are bringing an offering and you remember that you hurt or offended your brother, leave your offering there and go make it right. So God says, if you're the one that hurt somebody and you know it, go to them. Make it right with them. In Matthew 18, 15, it talks about if uh, someone offended you to go to them and tell them that they offended you. Let them know that they did it. Taking those steps to reconcile. But the point of all this is, is there's not a time where you can just sit on the sideline and wait for your brother or your spouse or your friend or a family member to come to you. God doesn't allow for that. God doesn't, that's, that's not something that he says is the way it should be. God expects you to make it right. If you're offended, God expects you to go to them. If you were the offender, God expects you. The point of it is, is as Christians, as people trying to live like Christ, trying to be more like him, trying to live the, Christ, the Christian life, we have to be the ones to make that first step. God, that's what God expects from us. It's one of our obligations. It's, it's something we have to do. Humility is something that's needed when you do that. If you're hurt and God says, go to the one that hurt you, that's hard. That's hard to approach someone that hurt you and say, I'm hurt by what you did. Let's talk about it. That's a difficult conversation to have. That takes a lot of humility. If you hurt somebody, it takes humility and you have to be humble to admit that you've done something to somebody 
and see that and go to them and try to make it right. God expects that. So the first step is go to the person. The second step is repentance. If we continue on there, we need to repent. If the offender repents, God says forgive them. We're to forgive. No problem, right? That's what God says. It makes it very simple. If they come to you and ask for forgiveness and they repent, we're supposed to forgive. Easy peasy. What about when they don't want your forgiveness? You ever been hurt by somebody or offended by someone that either they don't see that they hurt you, they don't see it that way, or maybe they don't care even. Now, I, you know, we teach, I teach a couples class, and when you talk about husbands and wives and spouses, and little spits and spats and frustrations and hurt feelings that can come, yeah, hurt feelings when you get married. I know unmarried young people, yeah, you don't, it's not just roses all the time. You argue, sometimes you as humans see things differently. And maybe you offend your spouse, wives, maybe you offend your husbands. Just going to throw it out there, maybe that happens. I, probably, sometimes. And maybe the, the wife doesn't see that she did anything wrong. But that happens when it comes to discussions and disagreements. There are offenses. What happens when the person, and it could be a marriage, it could be a family member, it could be a friend, it could be a coworker, it could be any relationship you have. What if the one who offended you is not interested in repentance? Well, how do you forgive that? Are you supposed to forgive that? Are you expected to forgive that? Acts chapter 7. Go with me if you would there. Acts chapter 7. We have a couple examples, believe it or not, in the Bible of this exact situation. Acts chapter 7, verse number 54. Now this is the story of Stephen. Acts chapter 7, verse number 54. When they had heard these things, Stephen had been preaching, when they heard these things, the people that were there, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on them with their teeth. But he, Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then, these are the people, they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord. They were so offended by what he was saying, they closed their ears and just screamed and, and went right for Stephen. Envision this. Verse number 58 and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul, and they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. So they're so upset with what he was saying, and he was preaching God's word. They were so upset by what he was saying that they yelled, they stopped their ears, they rushed him, they drug him out of the city, threw him out of the city, took their coats and cloaks off so they could get a better aim and wind up, grabbed stones and proceeded to pelt him with stones to the point that he was, he's dying. They're hitting him so hard. There's so many stones coming at him for who he believes Jesus was. In verse number 60, and he kneeled down, not because he was getting ready to pray, but because he's getting hit by rocks, and cried with a loud voice, Lord, can you do, could you do this? Lord, lay not this sin at to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So he's being stoned for believing in Jesus, and they, they are killing him. He is falling on his knees, about ready to pass over. And he says, Lord, forgive them. Don't lay this sin at their feet. Don't, could, they're, murder, they're killing him, and he's saying, don't hold it against them. 
They're, don't hold it against them, Lord. Forgive them. Go back to Luke, Luke 23. Luke 23. Luke 23, verse number 33. Luke 23, verse number 33. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him, and the malefactors, one on the right hand, one on the the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know that what they do. Everyone's familiar with that. Again, Jesus unjustly being crucified. Now he, is, he gave his life. He sacrificed his life for us. But the ones that were there nailing him to the cross, the ones that were there beating him with the rod, pulling his beard out, hitting him in the face, crown of thorns, they were, they were, they were having fun by killing him. And Jesus said, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Two examples in Scripture where the people that were offending by murdering, the ones that were doing the wrong, doing the hurt, had no interest in forgiveness, had no interest in repentance. We're not looking and going to Stephen saying, hey, Stephen, real sorry about those, that big rock I threw at you. I hope you can forgive me. How ludicrous as that would have been, they, didn't, they weren't asking forgiveness. They wanted him dead. There was no seeking of repentance in their heart at all. But both Stephen and Jesus, and we know this is, that's how Jesus is, they asked God to forgive them. They gave forgiveness to them. Stephen didn't hold any malice towards them in his heart. As he died, Stephen was not angry with them. Stephen was not, God will get you back. Jesus was not angry with those that were killing him. He, they, they offered forgiveness without any, any forgiveness being sought by those that did the wrong. So how do we forgive those that wrong us that don't, don't look for forgiveness? It's a hard thing to do. But I think with the examples we have in the Bible and what God tells us to do, we don't necessarily have to get them to want to repent, have to have desire and make them come and ask my forgiveness, but my heart and my spirit has to be ready to forgive them. Now, if those people that crucified Jesus, if they never came to the understanding that he was the Messiah, if they never came to the understanding to realize that he was the Son of God and they died, they aren't forgiven of their sins, right? Just because Jesus said, forgive them, they know not what they do. If they didn't seek out repentance and look for him and realize who he was, they aren't forgiven from that. But God, and Jesus in this case, and Stephen in his case, were willing to forgive. So that if any of those people that murdered Christ, if any of those Roman soldiers came to the realization that he was the Son of God and realized what they did and wanted and understood why he did that, then that sin would be forgiven, just like ours. God offers the whole world forgiveness. Jesus offers every living soul forgiveness from their sin, but it takes us to go to him and to accept that forgiveness. It doesn't just come. We have to go to him, but there's not God doesn't want anyone to perish. He offers forgiveness to every single living person, no matter what kind of sin or what kind of offense they have committed. And God expects us, as Christians, to have that heart as well. 
And there will be times that I don't know everyone's story, but I, I can imagine in a crowd this size, there's somebody that has been hurt and, and offended in a way that no one else could even imagine. And you're sitting there going, I don't think I could ever forgive that person for whatever they did or whatever situation it was. And you're right, you can't. But with God's help, you can. And with God's example, he expects us to offer forgiveness, again, even if it's not being sought out. So I'll finish here with the last point. So we have, we have to go to the person, step one. Step two, there has to be repentance if you're the one that offended, and you have to be willing to forgive even if there wasn't repentance if you're the one um, yeah, if you're the offender, you need repentance. If you're the offended, you should offer forgiveness. And then the last point is the actual step of forgiveness, the actual action of forgiveness. So I have a story I'm going to read real quick. Um, Corey Tenboom. Does anybody know that name, Corey Tenboom? A lot of people. So she's a Dutch Christian in Holland, and when Germany, Nazi Germany was taking over the world over there, her and her father and her sister hid Jewish people that were running and hiding, hid them in their home. Well, they were found. When Nazi occupied Holland, they were found, and they took those Jew Jewish people and Corey and her family to concentration camp. And they were in a concentration camp, and we all know, if you know your history, how terrible that was. Both her father and her sister both died in that concentration camp. Her sister, just days before they were freed, died in that concentration camp. And you find out later in life, she'd written a book, which is a really good book, I recommend it. She also did a lot of uh, speaking engagements. And one of the speaking engagements she was at, um, kind of something special happened there. So I'm going to read this really quick. And this is in Corey's, this is from her book. It says, I was in a church in Munich that I saw him, a balding, heavyset man in a gray overcoat, a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. People were filing out of the basement room where I had just spoken. It was 1947, and I had come from Holland to defeated Germany with the message that God forgives. And that's when I saw him working his way forward against the others. One moment, I saw the overcoat and the brown hat. The next, a blue uniform and a visored cap with its skull and crossbones. It came back with a rush. The huge room was with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man, I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Betsy, how thin you were. Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of Holland. This man had been a guard at Ravensbrück concentration camp where we were sent. You mentioned Ravensbrück in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard there. No, he did not remember me. But since that time, he went on, I've become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things that I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well, Fraulein. His hand came out, will you forgive me? And I stood there, I whose sins had every day been forgiven and could not. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for asking? I could not have been, it could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do. For I had to do it, I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition that we forgive those that have injured us. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus said, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. And still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart, but forgiveness 
is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me, and as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arms, sprang into our joined hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. Now, can you imagine? Put yourself in that situation. We can't. It's impossible. But can you imagine watching your family die? And the man that's immediately responsible for a lot of your suffering and pain asking you to forgive him. And like she said, she couldn't do it. Emotionally, she had no desire to forgive. And forgiveness, as she said there, it's, it's not an emotion. We like to think of it and feel the forgiveness and want the emotional feeling and the forgiveness feeling. And when that doesn't come, we don't want to forgive. But forgiveness is not a feeling, it's an act. An act of the will, it's a choice. One which God shows and expects us to offer and to seek out. Even when we don't feel forgiveness, he instructs us to forgive. And as Christians, wanting to live that Christian life, wanting to be more like Christ, those are the hard things we have to do. So most likely you have someone in your life, someone you know, someone you've known in your past, maybe not part of your life anymore, that has wronged you. They've done something to you that is wrong, and you see it as wrong. But maybe they don't. Or maybe they do, and they've sought out forgiveness. You have to know what to deal with that, how to deal with that, what to do with it. And the Scripture is very clear, I believe, on how God expects us to handle our forgiveness. We should be there, ready for it. Ephesians 4.32 And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. No, no question there. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So as I started saying this with this message, and I've finished, God has been dealing with this with me and forgiveness. And there's situations, and like I said in your life, people have wronged, I've been in a situation where people have wronged me, and it's obvious, but they don't see it as wronging. And they have no interest in being forgiven. They don't think that they need to be forgiven. They're maybe even upset at me that I'm upset by their actions. But God has dealt with me and says, forgive them. Even if they aren't seeking it out, your heart has to be there, ready to forgive them. That's what he's done for us. So in your life, if you have that person or that people or that group or whatever the case may be for you, I don't know. But you do. God does. Is there someone that needs forgiveness from you? Is there someone you need to seek forgiveness from? God expects us as Christians to be forgiving, loving people. So we're going to take a few minutes for prayer time here. So uh, I appreciate your attention. Hopefully it was helpful to you. Uh, we're going to just take a few minutes for prayer, and then we'll be dismissed when that's over. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.